Hey everyone, just want to let you know that this episode was recorded pre-pandemic, so that's why it's never mentioned. Hopefully you're well, staying safe, and this episode of The Pedestal is a welcome distraction. As always, this episode is being brought to you by Stars on Crave, today's movie, The Goonies, and every movie we do is available to stream right now on Stars, home to some of the biggest hit movies. Go to crave.ca to sign up and try it out free for 30 days. And now, on to the show. You're listening to The Pedestal from Mike on Much, presented by Much Studios. Welcome to The Pedestal. I am Mike Veerman. You might know me from Mike on Much. We're also here with Shane Cunningham, who also joins us on Mike on Much, and our other co-host, Mensa member, tall person, award-winning writer, director, uh, producer, and kind sure. of a weird haircut today. We were talking about haircuts before no, we went live. My hair live. looks good. It no, does it look does. good today. I'm not it gonna lie. Uh, uh, Jonathan Popolis uh, also uh, has been on the Michael Much podcast. We, we've sure. all been on that. Yeah. Uh, but you've been hanging with us now for quite some time. How many episodes have we done? This like, is the 30th episode. I didn't know that. I thought about that wow. earlier today. Yeah. It's an anniversary. I know. Um, That's good. Well, for the 30th episode of the Pedestal. We are doing a classic for many, many people across a couple generations, I think. We are doing Goonies. Directed by Richard the Donner. Goonies, the I Goonies. Yeah. No, I had the Goonies. Yeah. It's, yeah it's for, I don't know why. It's a, I care about the distinction, but The Goonies. It's like Arkells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People call them The Arkells, but it's just Arkells. Yeah. This is the opposite. The, the Goonies. Goonies. I feel uh, like there'd be like some weirdo people who are very particular. Like, no, no, it's not Goonies. It's the Goonies. And if you are listening to this, we don't think you're weirdo people. Uh, We're well, happy. We'll yeah, see. Johnny does. <laughs> He's got a pretty hot haircut right now. So John is the weirdo up. person who would do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he recognizes uh, those quirks in people. Um, so again, yeah, Richard Donner directed this film. It was produced by Steven Spielberg. It's also Steven Spielberg's story. Uh, and then he brought in Chris Columbus to write it, which I didn't realize until I was watching these credits. And I went, ah, there you go. Is Christopher Columbus kind of like a, a Spielberg acolyte? Like, is he somebody that was under that tree? I don't know. Like, was he well, an Amblin guy? He did. He wrote. No, he directed Home Alone. That's right. right. Yeah. But I mean, he must. He Like in the 80s. The first like, Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I that. guess in the 80s, he was, he had, like, I mean, obviously, if he wrote this, but I think in the 80s, I think he was an Amblin guy. Like, that was. Ah, so you yeah. bring him in to write. So do you think, like, Spielberg's like, I had this dream, and I just need somebody to actually make a screenplay? But, like, you know what I mean? It's like he has the story. Yeah. I could see him just being, like, Indiana Jones kind of adventure, but with kids and right. just sort of like, okay, yeah, here, someone. Um, okay, well, as we do on this podcast, before we get into our own personal relationship with this film, uh, we give you some context. So this film came out in 1985. Now, if you, I've been listening to our podcast uh, faithfully, you will know that we recently did another 1985 film, uh, The Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club, right, right, So right, right, when right. we give it context, we like to give you the top five films of that year. I don't know if you guys are going to remember Meaning what we the top five remember. Were. Yeah. Back to the Future... I, I always one. remember Back to the Future because 1985 is an intrinsic part of the plot. Highest grossing film of 85 was Back to the Future. Right. Out of Africa was in there? <laughs> it was number five. Number Good five. Memory. I remember that because I remember Cynthia liking that movie. <laughs> number four, another uh, Spielberg. Spielberg. In 85. He didn't do E.T. then, did he? He did do E.T., but that was that was in 85. Well, that's what I meant. A then. Spielberg 85 movie. Poltergeist? No. Oh, yeah. Starring famous actress Indiana Jones. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, oh Col- Color Purple. Yeah. Um, Spielberg, Spielberg directed that. Yes. Did he write it? I don't know. No, he has only written. He's only written. 
I think the only movie he wrote was was Close Encounters. He's not a very prolific screenwriter. <laughs> yeah, it's a good yeah. point. Uh, at number three, Rocky Four, ironically. And mm. then the thing that made me laugh last time is number two is Rambo First Blood Part right, Two. Right, mm. right, It's a weird thing to say. Yeah. Uh, the one where he gets all jacked up and goes to Afghanistan. And All right. Right. <laughs> that is what happened. Right. I think we also laughed that you knew the plot to Rambo Part 2 uh, on the last episode. Rambo First Blood Part, part 2. two. Yeah. So that is what was going on in 1985. Um, guys, you want to guess the budget for this film? What it cost to make this film with a, a, a cast of uh, largely unknown kids? Yeah, but it feels like... like Spielberg and Don't like it feels like well, the kind the, of st- studio movie where they'd want to throw a bunch. Of, okay, think about the end set alone. That's that ain't cheap. Mm, 30 million dollars. That's way too much. Twenty million dollars. I'm gonna say thirteen mil. Ooh, Johnny got you by a mil. It was a nineteen million dollar budget. Yes. Yeah. But it would, if he had gone with the forty, you would. Have I had, had the, caught yeah. myself doing what I used to do in the past of of. Not understanding how money works <laughs> with inflation. <laughs> Although, if this was The Price is Right, Shane would have won the Showcase Showdown because sure. you technically went over. But it's not, mm. so I win. So that's fair. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think it grossed? This would be North American gross. So I've got to get better, I found, as sort of yeah, the point North person uh, on clarifying after the seven debacle. I got to. Im- <laughs> that's true. I got to imagine this movie probably got re-released in theaters like several times. So I wonder if that inflated it. So here's that is a great okay. question. So on the actual wiki entry, and this is how I would have known if you guys uh-huh. cheated, they have an inflated number because I think they've added that's, re-releases hmm. uh, and other things for box office. Yeah, that seems quotes. like the kind of thing they'd pull with this. So we're talking originally what it earned uh, on all the sort of uh, cross-reference lists I checked. I checked three different sources for this, for North America gross. Feels like something that would be like getting over 100 would be a huge deal, so like 110. Okay, I think that's way too high, so I'm going to say 48 million. Ooh, Shaney, close, uh, but still quite a bit off. $62.2 million domestically. Mm, And it only made like $200,000 internationally. Because oh, there's no way this a movie, movie about a bunch of American kids any sense around internationally. Yeah, small town. <laughs> Barely makes sense in America. Uh, okay, um, so uh, what were we going to say? But they John? had uh, what's his name in it? Who? Data. Data. Oh, but that's. <laughs> oh, we get we get one uh, Asian player in the league, and, and whether he's good or not, he becomes the most popular. Player. Good point, Jeremy. Yeah, Lin but effect. I don't know if that kid is enough to 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 boy the the rest of this movie and. Japan? We'll talk about that character. It's, it's a fascinating character in a lot of ways. He's because Japanese, right? I, did He's they, Asian for sure. Okay, cool. And <laughs> or just like, the greatest actor. Back down from. It was, you know, it was actually Daniel Day-Lewis uh, played that role. Daniel Day-Lewis. He lived in Japan In his greatest years. role ever. At the age of 30, he played Data or Data in fucking Goonies. Um, did that bug you that his name was Data and you're a Star Trek person? I don't know. I remember. I know I Data, Data. That, yeah, 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 I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah, Trek wasn't out yet. This movie came out in 85. Trek uh, premiered in 87. Maybe that's where it got so. the name. Maybe. Maybe they stole from Goonies. Mm, yeah. Do know. you think it bothers uh, Christopher Columbus when he watches that Star they Trek? They took data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's on his evenings when he's watching Trek. Um, so, so yeah, uh, let's talk about what this movie meant to us. Because to a lot of people, this movie is very sort of sacred or nostalgic in a way that makes them feel good and where they will swear by this film. They will say, this is the best film. This is the seminal film from my childhood. I wonder where we all fall on the spectrum because this film's a little too soon for us in real time, I think. I think this would have been a, a hand-me-down film of some sorts by like maybe older cousins or whatever. Maybe. Uh, I See, I, I'm definitely someone who this was nothing for me when I was a kid. It didn't resonate. It never but crossed your... But I don't your... know if it bounced because of... Sorry, because of my age because I know when I was in film school that there was like... There was a 
giant contingent of people who like had like backpacks and t-shirts and talked and it was like a big thing for them to the point that because of that it made me like avoid it more you know what I mean? Like, you know, just being an asshole. Like the secret was too out that yeah, it, it I'm was like, okay, too late. Sure. To like your kids move. Like I'm not like if I, I guess I didn't watch it when I was 12. I'm not going to watch it now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm busy watching like Evil Dead and Reservoir Dogs and I'm too cool for this movie. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really actually watch it until like eight years ago, I guess, for the first wow. time. Wow. Interesting. For, for, for a, 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 just a, I hadn't seen it. You got to catch up. Um, so you were a full-on adult when you first sat through this front adult. to back. Yes, I, and I had, and I can even say I probably don't even remember a single scene from it. Like having watched it as a kid, like I know sometimes you're like, I haven't seen it, but I can cobble it together from scenes. I had I, the first, the first time I had watched any of it was like seven or eight years ago. Hey, you guys, though, you knew what that was just yeah, osmosis. I, I know, that's what I mean. I know, culture. I know of it, but I couldn't say that I could have pictured that the sloth character like yelling it like I just sort of knew it Interesting. sort of yeah not even and maybe I, I can say that now but like really uh, it was it was as if it was very foreign to me you may have the most unique and sort of honest take on this yeah film I'm curious what, I'm, I'm curious I am curious like you I'm curious about the the three of us here you can already tell Pops doesn't like the movie <laughs> we'll see he's already alluded to the fact he doesn't like it so you kind of gave it away we'll see um for me this was the movie when I was a kid. Okay. It was the best. It like it made my imagination go crazy. I wanted to be a Goonie. I wanted to have friends like that. I wanted to live in that exact town. I loved that neighborhood. I loved everything about it. I I am obsessed with booby traps. <laughs> I'm always trying to set booby Wait, traps, traps for okay. my my parents. <laughs> <laughs> for uh, like my mom would uh, come into like sing me a lullaby or something at night. This is how young I was. I was like 15. But But I would have a trap set up for her. sweet baby. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) 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 Got to get up for my shift at McDonald's tomorrow. But yeah, I would I would set like traps a, for my sister, for my mom, like define based a trap. on sort of this. They would never work. Of define course. a trap that you would make. Like I had uh, something I would attach to my doorknob in my room that would attach to the light switch. So I'd be like, uh, "Come in and sing my lullaby, mom," and I'd hop in the bed, <laughs> and uh, she'd walk in, and then it would open and it would shut the light off. It's not really a trap. Is it sort of like that but, SNL sketch with Jason Momoa where the pie like comes out but doesn't really hit the person? Kind of. Sometimes sure. it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. And it, it was almost <laughs> like how uh, they let in Chunk when he came in. After he did the truffle shuffle, there was this long Make Rube go Goldberg to, yeah. thing. So it was less a trap and more like just a cool prank device that I had set up where the light could be shut off without me actually getting out of bed. I could be tucked in waiting to be... Sung, sung to. to, yeah. And uh, I would have sleepovers. <laughs> got to go sing for Shane. He will so not funny. sleep otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> That's I his wouldn't. wife right I honestly, now. I got so into lullabies <laughs> that it was very hard for me to go to bed without that routine. How old were you? In an honest question, because you keep bringing this up and I keep laughing, mm-hmm. but at what point did you have to stop getting sung lullabies to? I don't know. Like late, but maybe like nine or ten. Like, okay, that's all right. It's late. I feel like it's that's late. all right, right? It's not really all right. It, no, it probably it not. It seems all right it's now horrible. that we're it's old, really but embarrassing. It's, it is really late. <laughs> um, 
But uh, what else? Oh, so my sister would have, uh, no, I would have a birthday party every year and I would call it my gang, the Treehouse guys, because I had a treehouse because <laughs> I always wanted to like have a gang, walkie talkies and stuff. I did all that. Cans with the strings and the. All that stuff. Yeah. And I had every year, I would basically plan all year where on my birthday during my sleepover with the treehouse guys, we were going to terrorize my sister all night. <laughs> so we, oh, would, God. <laughs> we would come up with various plans and, and missions to accomplish during the night. Uh, one, like we'd put a remote control car under her bed, and then when she was asleep, we would just move it subtly, so she would be up. That's actually all pretty night. good. Yeah, we would do just. We would take. She had oxy pads because she had horrible acne, and we would like drain them of all their like properties. It's stupid. <laughs> like, why does my face never feel clean? Well, what like I love about three that one hours of like slowly like this is gonna be the greatest prank of all time. Well, it's such a long play too. Yeah. But we were Maybe just, in three months. And we would like literally toilet paper the inside of my house when my mom woke up. She was like, just like, Shane! You know, and I would have to clean it up and the guys wouldn't. <laughs> they weren't well thought out, but just the mischievous yeah. search and this for is, adventure. And Goonies was what sort of... Well, there's another movie called Monster Squad. And my okay. sister... Yeah, Wolfman has nards. Yeah, well, the, uh, and I also liked... Uh, there was a stupid movie called uh, Garbage Pail Kids. I remember that. Oh, yeah. I collected the cards. But I would always, uh, uh, with Tree, no, Trails Guys was me and my friends, and Monster Squad was me and my sister. And our, for some reason, our mission was to go around and do adventures and find money. So we would just like ride our bikes to Limeridge Mall, which is like a, an Are hour. You and robbing half. people? No, we'd go to like um, <laughs> phone booths and oh, okay. weird arcades and just. Oh, yeah. And collect money, and, and we ended up getting like fifty six dollars. Fifty six dollars. Like we did this for years. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like and one outing at the we mall. We just went on this huge candy and pizza spree at the end. But yeah. Th anyways, these movies were a big part of my childhood, and Goonies was the creme de la creme of movies like this. When they use the phrase uh, "latch kid key" mm -hmm. or "latch key kid," yes, it, it, does that, that mean was like, me? Yeah. yeah like the, the, the sort of like uh, the pension to go on adventures and you always leave for the day, and you have your own key. Yeah. My bike felt like it was a car. I would, I would go on a bike ride and I would come back with like, I'd make a friend and come back with a, a pet rat. And my mom would be like, where'd you get that rat? I'd be like, I made a trade for it. And then of course the rat would die under my care. Mm. And then there would be big trouble because it was like a lower income neighborhood. And then my mom would have to deal with this crazy ass mom of this kid I met who was like, trying to fuck us so over. So you see way. a movie like Goonies and you see, oh, my kind of life is being represented here in a in a weird way. Like not my life, but the kind of like my friends and things. And this is the kind of adventure that I wish I could go on. It'd be like, it was the equivalent of me watching an NBA game and being like, I like basketball and then going to play pickup ball outside. Okay. I knew my that adventures weren't as good, but the Goonies was the aspirational best adventure ever that I Got could it. never get to. And Got they it. had an independence, and there was like a... And they, yeah. they treated uh, the kids like they weren't kids. Like, yeah. they're talking about cocaine, heroin, they're swearing. Yeah. Like, this movie really wasn't... Like, the opening scene is a, a guy committing suicide, but... The tricking the prison yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I they wouldn't do that, that. like, yeah. in a kid's movie nowadays. Oh, absolutely not. Um, I'm probably, I probably split the difference between you two and yeah, no, I guess I, I, I would say that like my thing with this movie is like, I had friends who loved this movie, like where it was part of their childhood, like either passed down or whatever. So yeah, me too. at sleepovers, like I was very aware of all the beats of this film. I'd probably seen this film like, you mm -hmm. know, 
eight or nine times over the before I was 17 years old just because I had so many friends that like loved it. And so I liked it. Like I did like it, but I wasn't as like in love with it. I had friends that were very much like Shane that were like, let's go on an adventure at the Mountain Brow. Like let's literally go through the sewer system of Hamilton and like discover things. And I was always like down for it, but I didn't have the same sort of spirit that the film had. You know, I was a little bit more of a Frady cat in those mm -hmm. ways where I'm just like, eh, maybe I'll go home and hang out with my mom. Yeah. Um, but so this movie was was definitely around. Um, I definitely liked it, but it's not like uh, it's never been like a, I love this movie. Right. This movie means something to me as a kid. Mm -hmm. It was just there for sure, and I recognize how much my other friends like fucking lived and died by it, and sort of the ethos of these kids, and sort of you know, no one's gonna help us. We need to help ourselves. Like let's do something special. And every day was kind of like that mission statement. Right. And I was happy to be with my friends, but I certainly wasn't nearly as passionate as, as them. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was that was it. But yeah, all the beats. Uh, I mean, the sort of the pop culture references, all that made sense. I used to love the Cindy Lauper song, "Good Enough," uh, whatever yep. that song is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so that is how we felt about it then. Um, obviously, we all just watched it probably last night. Last night, everyone watched last this night. This morning, yeah. Oh, nice. The old bus bus ride watch. Yep. Uh, I'm actually very envious of that hack that you have that sort of yeah. that time. Mm -hmm. It's like we're always looking for like more time Carve to do our out. last minute homework. And yeah. it's like you have this perfect like pocket that always works. Um, yeah. So, guys, uh, let's start with the case for keeping it on the pedestal. Uh, what did we like? We'll get to the best scene. We'll get to the best performance. What were some of the uh, positive attributes of this film? Shane, you start because it was this movie oh. means a lot to you. The cast, even the bad actors in this, and I would consider Josh Brolin a terrible actor in this movie. <laughs> but it's a good character. It's perfectly cast, and it's and it's uh, yeah. a good character, like you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God, like Chunk, that guy's an amazing actor. That kid, he ended up becoming a lawyer. But um, oh, really? Sean, too. Sean, yeah, Sean Austin, or is it Aston? It's I call but, him Sean no, Austin. Chunk is his name is Jeff Cohen. No, no, I know that. I'm moving on. Oh, to move on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, of course, I know Jeff Cohen. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful lawyer. Uh, Sean Austin, uh, obviously, went on to be Rudy and in the uh, Lord of the Rings yeah, films. Samwise. Son of Patty Duke, very famous really? Hollywood actress. But yeah. he's such a, an attractive young... Can I say... <laughs> like, he looks... Go on. He looks like... <laughs> you'd, think, you'd look at this kid and you'd be like, this guy's going to be the next River Phoenix or something. Sure. You know, like, cause Stand By Me was another uh, big movie for me when I was uh, growing up. But he had that vibe where he was just going to be a superstar when he grew up. It's funny that he grew up to be a character. He actor turned into Chunk a little who bit. Who is sort yeah. of like, yeah, Rudy. Like when I think of him, I think of like a Samwise or a Rudy who's like a sidekick who wishes he were. Well, the last time we saw him was in season two of Stranger Things, and he sort of embodies that? exactly that. Very character good point. Right. Sort of yeah. Very like outsidery wants to be. He's an aspirational hero, but then yeah. it's like digs deep within himself, mm -hmm. and he's kind of more heroic than even what you would consider the real heroes are. Because Goonies was the I think everyone knows this was the reference point for Stranger Things, so that makes sense why he was. Kind yeah, of. yeah. I, I mean, it's so funny. It's like that kind of like children on an adventure thing. Like, I mean, like Super Eight did this. J.J. Abrams kind of went into that bucket back in like two thousand and six. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember when that film came out. But um, and Goonies like, was the reference for that. Goonies no, and E.T. and then the idea of like Spielberg like invented this genre mm -hmm. of, of adult adventures for kids. Like yeah. Shane mentioned it, where it's like it didn't feel like they were treating them like kids. They had autonomy. They were sort of making their own choices. They were yeah. taking risks. <laughs> it's like yeah, they were making sort of like like you don't see a lot of confidence and sort of like. Uh, 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 I don't know, like like a real sort of like um, command of what you want to do, and I guess ultimately the Sean Austin character, 
is the leader. Sean Aston. Aston. Yeah. He keeps pushing and pushing when everyone else wants to kind of quit or go home or they're scared. Yeah. You know, he's kind of the one we follow. But I agree with Shane. Uh, I think all the kids are great. I was kind of shocked, actually, because I don't necessarily enjoy Corey Feldman's brand mm -hmm. of Feldmaning. How you Long enough to see need about 400 roach motels in this place. Because he's always just plays a version of himself. He does. But the mouth is... character, I thought in this, he was just very charismatic. Like well, he... his version of himself is, he's, as a kid, charismatic. Like, he's a fun, there's a reason why, he, as a kid, he get, kept getting cast in fucking everything. And I, <laughs> and, and I think, like, so, like, when they're in the, you know, they go into the restaurant, the sort of abandoned restaurant, and they meet the Fratellis for the first time. And he's really not that scared. And then he starts trying to order food and he's doing the Italian accent or whatever. I'm just like, like you said, I, I know why this guy goes into casting rooms, like auditions and just blows people away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm like, as an adult watching him, I find him annoying. But if I was his friend when I was a kid, like I probably was him to be honest. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I probably was the kid doing stupid. That voices. might be why I like him too, because that's so, sort of, yeah, that sounds like me. I would have done, I would have been the yeah. annoying kid that did it. But, but sometimes like you he's see that called mouth and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. But people might have called me that behind my back. Yeah, I, th I thought. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought he worked as sort of like the little shit disturber of their group. And I had the biggest crush on the two female actresses, Martha like, Plimpton too. Eh, loved Martha Plimpton. Wow. I was obsessed with Martha Plimpton as a kid. You know who she was with forever? River Phoenix. That's right. Yeah. So you and River have the same taste. Yeah, I, know. I loved Carrie Green. Yeah, I loved I, her. Did she, is that the one that became a musician? No, that's Jenny Lewis. I always mix her up from The Wizard. The Wizard. I used There's to think they were the same. Movie. Exactly. But uh, Martha Plimpton made me love women with short hair. I always ah. like, anytime I saw a woman with a short haircut, I was like, oh, she, she kind of reminds me of Martha mm -hmm. Plimpton now for some mm -hmm. reason. That Deeply uh, set from Goonies, though. Like my sexual taste growing <laughs> up. <laughs> No, it's funny how that can happen. Like, it's yeah. like your first crush. Absolutely. You don't oh, even know what you're sure. feeling. You're eight years old. You're watching something. And you're like, what? like I, I'm in love with that girl, mm -hmm. and I don't know why, or guy, whatever. And then it actually sets like these. It, it mm -hmm. sort of like sets a jello in you that you can't shake even into yeah. your like adult years. But she's such an unconventional look, and I was really drawn to that because now I'm looking. I'm like, oh, she's not really the the person you would even think would be cast as a love interest. And they're not. And she's not even seen that way. in the movie she is the friend right yeah. everyone like all the everyone seems to be going after andy is that the other the cheerleader's name uh, i can't remember the character uh, carrie green's the name of the actress yeah, but andy but they kept, uh, andy i think it's andy yeah. and carrie green's boyfriend in this that is the guy from wedding singer right the or the guy who's driving the car that's the bad guy in wedding singer that's a great question if it is i don't car. know oh no no really? no, no, no. it's not mm -hmm. it's not okay i know who you're talking about but it's not um gotcha. do you remember her from that film lucas also with with, uh, with uh, Corey Haim yeah, and no. Charlie Sheen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Corey Haim's really young in it, right? Yeah. That's he's like, like his first film. He's like the football star and Lucas is like the nerd. And then they he both... He wears glasses. Yeah, they're yeah. both kind of, I think, going for her. Again, this is like way, way, way back. There's sort of this whole group of 80s films like Flight of the Navigator and Lucas. And it's just like kids movies that... That Flight of the Navigator same, movie like, I love. people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, with these same eight kids, with like the Coles Mac and, and me. The, yeah, Mac like, and me, the know? biggest <laughs> ET rip up. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Rudd shows Didn't, a clip from Mac and me at every. Uh, am I in. correct that wait, which is the movie that 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 uh, uh, what's his name, Avengers? Help me out here. The guy who wrote in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. Didn't Josh Whedon write Mac? He wrote one of those weird. Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's you know. Batteries not included. I think that's the one. That's 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 old people on an adventure. Right. I love batteries, not included. Yeah, yeah, I, I just love adventures. I'm I just guess. saying that a lot of those movies you'll find like just like this with Christopher Columbus, you'll find like random names of like 
huge people who were just attached to them in the 80s because you don't think about who creatively made these when you're a kid, right? Yeah. Batteries Not Included is the one where the aliens kind of save the housing complex where they're right. kicking everyone out. Yes. But Cocoon is the one where the old people become young again, I think, with the aliens. Sort right. of, uh, anyway, both with Wilford Brimley. I think we've gotten a bit off uh, topic. <laughs> is it Wilford Brimley in this? Well, it's funny because Wilford Brimley was like 43 in that movie. I know. I think <laughs> that so comes old. up all the time yeah. because he just played old like Michael Chiklis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Second Michael Chiklis reference. <laughs> I hope we play the theme song of the commission right now. <laughs> but the cast was good. Yeah. yeah. Ch- cast, you said I, I specifically, I actually didn't think, I thought Josh Brolin was great. Mm-hmm. I thought Josh Brolin was really interesting. I loved the creation of his character. I loved that in a, in a different movie, he would have been like just the overbearing brother, but it was fun for him to both be the shitty older brother and the and the good friend. I liked the, his Which look. is kind of how siblings work yeah I exactly they it is, I, I liked his look i liked the, you could you could wear his outfit as a halloween costume like he's like which is like a tough thing to do with just like sweatpants and a headband and well, i liked him riding the little bike and i thought that was really funny yeah <laughs> that was a real i'm like i'm like riding the little bike funny mm-hmm. like it just he's he was good yeah, i mean he, he did steal it from well. a little girl yeah. but uh i think but that's fine yeah, yeah sure but i like that but i do like uh, as you were saying that these are he's like the older brother it is like kids they're not all really nice all great kids they're just or kids. really mean all or the really time. mean they're yeah. all just sort of sort of both yeah the opening scene of the movie i found really great great like, like a prison but, break yeah i was yeah. charmed by it and the editing was yeah. really clever how they did that? Why do you say that? that? I was I was watching the opening and I was thinking about craft as I was watching mm-hmm. it because there's even like they cut to like there's like close-ups of the uh, the gear shift and the trying to get the door open and yeah. the the, the, the mm-hmm. fire and all that. I'm like it's such an interesting way to open a film that's kind of exciting and exhilarating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, it, and it all connects to what they're watching on TV. There'd be a, like a car would go around the corner, then the car would be on the TV. They introduce all the kids yeah. during the car chase. It's and it actually led to an like amazing open. That's the, a great point. Yeah, the best, like my the, be, the the first huge laugh was when Chunk like looks out the window. And- oh wow, a police chase! Ah, shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, jarring, right? I jarring, forgot the kids swore. Well, right like, off the bat, they're saying, we respect children's intelligence. Like, we know you guys swear, not around your parents, but we know you swear. Yeah. Like, this fat kid is clearly going to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. Is that like, what you wrote in your notes? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Chunk is, uh, I, I will get into favorite character, but I'll, spoiler, I think Chunk is amazing. Pure charisma. Like, amazing. I love this kid. It's funny. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like, he's actually the, the kind of charisma you want to hang around with yeah. now, but like, the Corey Feldman character is like yeah it was very uh, yeah it was very interesting but he is like a chris farley energy but as a 10 year old but like legitimately it's like he's like an like a 40 year old man as a 10 year old it was so weird to see well every line feels authentic coming from chunk's mouth oh yeah and uh the mom throw mama from the train yeah like she is no one's scarier than that woman yeah what's oh right 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 her Um, i just call her throw mama from the train and everyone usually (laughs) knows what i'm saying yeah i know what you mean she, She's uh, also a naked. Wasn't she Naked Gun thirty three and a third? I'm playing as a very similar character. I'm it's just sure. this movie and and uh, Throw Mom from the Train. <laughs> Those are the only two movies she's been in. No, I saw. I, I actually watched a documentary on her. She was what? <laughs> yeah, it's called No Small Parts. It's an amazing YouTube. Oh, so documentary not on her, but she's. It was on her. It was on her. Yeah, it's a series a called No Small Parts, and, and it, it was a it examines people her. who are thought of as character interesting, actors interesting. in deep dives. Yeah. So I watched like a forty minute thing on her. The, uh, she was she was <clears throat> sorry I mean she was great and I I have wanted to like one of my like headlines is the Fratelli's 
in general are like good, great, fun villains for a movie like this. Mm -hmm. Like the mom and both the sons, like they're really good. Like they, they they're like, perfectly silly. They're perfectly silly. Yeah. Per I said I wrote like I could imagine like them being like animated in like Ninja Turtles cartoon and like the Ninja Turtles are foil. Like it's like it's a it's it's hard to actually get like good scary villains, but are that are that seem like a threat, but are also funny and cartoonish. And Yet they'll also kill you. Yeah, and like, they're, they're not afraid to show threat. dead bodies. The that's stakes what, were that's real. What I'm getting at. I that's was surprised. Saying. I forgot about all that. But they found that mix. Well, it was like you need to win these guys over, and you can, but they still might kill you at a moment's notice. It was a lot in up. the performance, like it was a lot, like mm -hmm. how, like, like Joey Pant, uh, Pant Pantaleone, Pantaleone, mm -hmm. something like, like that. He's like he, like it's cartoonish, but he never plays it broad. If that makes sense, like they are still playing it mm -hmm. real while he's getting his like nuts hit on a log and like so like cartoonish things are happening to him while they are being real people that's sort of how they i think and the one with the, the pockmarked face always singing opera yeah that great. guy was the perfect blend of terrifying robert davy i wrote yeah. that down because i thought he was yeah he was great he was very very, very <laughs> yeah good yeah in yeah, this yeah. Film. uh dead body pretty early on like in yeah. the film like you know when they're in when chunks in the freezer you're like okay these are these are stakes these are real stakes now um yeah, I thought uh, I agree. I thought the chemistry between the four friends was great. Uh, between like Dada, Chunk, Corey Feldman, and Sean Astin. Is Dada is the character? I just want to ask you here. He's not. We don't think it's racist that he's. Like, it's not like a, this doesn't hold up because he has an accent. Because but he he's he's from he would have a, another yeah. country. I feel like I could see people thinking that would be a thing that wouldn't for some reason, but it fits. It's a, well, here's the question I have, and I, I, I don't know the answer, and like maybe we'd have to speak to an Asian-American or something, but like, he's very stereotypical. Like, why is he the tech guy? Is it because like Asian stuff is all tech? You know, is it like Sam's? Like it's, like, it's like he's a stereotype because he's the guy that has all the go-go gadget shit. Now, what, is, that a, is that an Asian thing? I don't know the answer to that. Or is there a benefit in like, if every movie you saw, whether it was, we mentioned Lucas, Stand By Me, all these movies that had kids, was there any representation? Like, if you're, if you're an Asian yeah. kid in 1985 and you see this film, you go, oh, yeah, I am the only Asian kid in my city. That's sort of where I was getting yeah. at. But he wasn't, they didn't play him for laughs or use him as a prop. No. Like, it wasn't like, what's that, like, it's not Pretty in Pink, but the other one. I think they did just Asian as much as they did with Chunk. Like, I think he was silly and, like, you know, he's doing the voice. But no one ever did, like, what's, how do you pronounce that? Hey, say the word rice. Like, no one ever yeah. did, like, like They did it once with him. There's one scene when he was talking about booby traps, and he called them booty traps. And they're like, booby. He's like, that's what I said. But that's really the only moment right. where they fuck around with... His, that just sounds like yeah. how kids talk to each other. Just like right. the, just like the chunk thing where they would they make like do the truffle shuffle thing. First you gotta do the truffle shuffle. Come on, do it. Come on, do it. Which is funny. Like I think that's funny, and it's a thing that kids would do. And he is their fat friend who they will mention and they'll bring up that he's fat but it doesn't actually really matter yeah they never they they made fun of chunk for being fat way more than they made fun of data for being asian or I, even yeah. referenced it totally yeah i mean it's just a, like that's a, that's why i said i don't i don't totally know the answer like i i, I don't know like again you would have to ask somebody but like i would think the benefits of like representation even so though too. it is sort of silly and stereotypical in some ways like I'm, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know the answer, but I, I liked I liked the character. I think that there was like value in having 
a minority in their friend group out of the four of them. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Who was uh, treated as an equal, and even though he was clearly like his parents were high quirks and all that. He was yeah, idiosyncratic, but like you said, he was an equal. Yeah. He was one of the four, and uh, I liked his gadgets. I, his gadgets were, were awesome. Fun. Like <laughs> honestly, you think he, like him and Chunk got to be the fan favorites, like. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I yeah. remember thinking Data was super fucking cool when I was a kid because he had, like... He had fun gadgets, the, yeah. and I like they didn't always work. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. was the best part. He was clearly inspired by Inspector Gadget. Was, it, really? was, that, yeah, was that show around then? I don't know. Well, it was. In, well, Inspector Gadget is based on Get Smart from the 70s. There you go. It's true. Right. So, so maybe more like Get Smart. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, wearing the trench coat, having the stuff backfire. That's all Get even, Smart, though. Even the, even, yeah, the, even the, all uh, the boxing glove that would come yeah, out. I got to, yeah. So Inspector Gadget must just be... What's the name of that actor in Get Smart? Oh, great question. Inspector Gadget came out in 1982. There you go. And it was hugely popular. So maybe you're right. It's got to be... He used a lot of springs. You see like Spielberg and stuff like, kids love these things. He would have the boxing glove with the spring on it. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, so I thought the chemistry between the four of them was, was real. I believe these little outsiders, these goonies, if you will, were genuinely friends. Uh, I like that the Josh Brolin character, although he was older, cooler, good-looking, whatever, he was an outsider too. Like, they were the poor kids that Great were losing point. their house. He seems like he's the, the, the strong muscle guy, but he's... He's probably cool to the four goonies, but to the three guys standing at the well... Josh Brolin's a loser. Good point. Oh, yeah. He's only cool to the Goonies because he's the older brother. Yeah. It's just yeah. age specific. Oh, they tried to murder him at one point. That's how much they, he's a loser. <laughs> On the bike. Yeah. That they was literally insanity. tried to murder him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is how much he is not a part of the cool rich people group in this, in this bizarre town. It's so funny. Like, <laughs> how many stories and sort of drama and tension have we got over the years out of class? Like, oh, yeah. The Great Gatsby, which came out in the 20s, that book, it's like, it's literally all about that. Like, if you've re- have you guys read The Great Gatsby recently? I have. No. I read it like two years ago, and I was actually blown away. And I, I know this has literally been going on since, you know what I mean, like the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. But it felt like The Great Gatsby really encapsulated sort of like the difference between the classes in a way, like in a society that's very recognizable to it now. Does. And yep. that's the 20s, you know what I mean? Like, Especially, and you're, and you're getting that book from the point of view of like the lower class person 100%. stepping into this crazy world and you never really get the point of view. It's the same as, same as this movie. Like, you know, like you'll, you, it's always the outsider looking up at like the crystal palace sort of, sort of thing. Exactly. And so like it, I, it crossed my mind where I'm like, this whole plot is put in motion by the fact that there's these rich people in town and they are trying to buy up these houses. So they're going to be kicking these kids out and they're, or this family out. They're going go to Detroit. an entire town to make a golf course. It's, Crazy. Yeah. And by the way, very prescient. Like, isn't that what happens? Like, this is 1985, and that's yeah. still going on to this day where they're basically... I think the 80s is when it started to, like, get supercharged, and that's when it was, like... Yeah. They turned it up to 11, this sort of thing happening. The, yeah. the, 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 the middle class getting, like, just... Bulldozed. Bombed, bulldozed, exactly. Were you guys into that scenery as I was? Like, that town... Yeah, was it like what did they call it? Where was it? Astoria? Astoria, yeah. Oregon. Or yeah. so it was in Oregon. I knew it yeah. knew it had to be like the the the, the southwest or, or no, sorry, like the, North, the northwest. Pacific, Pacific, was that Pacific, idyllic for you guys or was that not hitting? It's beautiful. Oh, it was great. Yeah. It felt very like I I didn't know if it was Seattle, but Oregon totally makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Uh Oregon is beautiful. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. I liked it. I mean, in general, like would I want to live in a place that always looks like it's raining or whatever, mm-hmm. but I, I thought it was I'm a neighborhood guy. I love a neighborhood. Yeah. And it was all very hilly and like fun for riding a bike. Cool. Didn't it feel damp? It felt like a damp movie. I mean, I know yeah. like the last half always takes place, it takes place in the water, but like everything, even when he's doing the truffle shuffle, it looks like it's just been raining for a week straight. Yeah. Like I felt 
I chill watching it. I'm like, ah. Well, when they were going down the hill, and you could tell they just freshly had uh, wetted the uh, pavement. Yeah. Got all wet like, down. Shit, this is pretty dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was nice, nice place to hang out for two hours. They shot, I think they shot in an actual, I think the place was called like Astoria, Oregon, or if not, like the, they, there was a town being that town, and they mm-hmm. kind of took over this town for months. Yeah. So it felt real because it was mm-hmm. real, I guess. They didn't kind of create this town. I enjoyed how they put little effort into explaining why sloth was sloth-like. Yep. When the bar breaks, the cradle will fall. Sloth! Sloth! Break! Fall! I only dropped you once. Uh, well, maybe twice. Sometimes a movie it could meander and like explain his origins. Like it, they basically just said she dropped, she dropped him, him on his head. Kid. Yeah, exactly. A, a few times, which yeah. obviously a mutant cannot be uh, <laughs> like a super st- insanely strong mutant can't be created that way. But they didn't waste. Uh, we could try. <laughs> the night is young. <laughs> Hey, well, he had idea, to have either. Guys. He, he when had, you're in the child custody hearing, it's like, and where did you get this theory? Well, I was doing okay, a podcast. Okay, roll the clip. With, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's clearly, you'd have to be a mutant at birth. Yes. He, yes, of course. Uh, so maybe she dropped him because she was, he was already a mutant. She didn't care about him. He like was born right, that of. way, and they're obviously a terrible family, so they mm-hmm. hid their shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I like, I like when movies do this, and I was going to bring this up when you were talking about the, the brothers, is it's like, I kind of know their story without them having to explain their story. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like she's a terrible mother, but she's got these two kids that have turned into criminals because they're all criminals because the mom was a piece of shit. Uh, you barely have to explain. You like, don't have to explain it. It's just like Mike, I, Mikey's dad yeah. and the archaeology and that kind of thing. You yeah, know? like when they when they have their big confrontation on the boat, the Fratelli family, and then you see mm-hmm. Sloth sort of like choose the kids because Chunk had showed him kindness. It's like all of that just worked without mm-hmm. having to go way too into the backstory yeah. to change. Yeah, him. all the scenes with Sloth I thought were perfect. Like how they built him up, how they didn't interesting. show him. They didn't wait too long to show him. That's a very interesting thing to say. Oh, well, yeah, that means you don't agree. Specific <laughs> note. I have a very specific note. I can say it now. Or I said, I wrote down, like, this movie lives or dies based on your feelings of sloth. And I'm like, if you... Like, sloth I, is hardly if in you, it. Come on. But if, I'm just saying, if you buy sloth and you love that character, I'm not saying that it mean, maybe not dies, but if you love that character and you th- think the makeup holds up and you think the character holds up and you think his involvement in this movie is great, then I, I imagine everything in this movie must work. Because it's so, it's so bizarre. I'm not saying bad. I'm saying it's so bizarre and it's such a hyper-specific choice that if you locked into that choice, then you're into all the choices. But this one of the in. things I, I noticed while watching this is like, holy shit, Sloth is so memorable in my mind. They're like, hey, you guys, all right. that. But he's barely in it. I, yeah. I found myself being like, what's Sloth and Chunk doing right now? Like, I just wanted <laughs> to cut back to them a few more times. Yeah, the they're short like film the, that uh, they would add to the movie now. Yeah, they're the uh, in succession. Uh, Greg and a, Tom. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, that's funny. And I was like disappointed. I'm like, oh, Chunk's not down there with them. In my mind, Chunk's always with them the whole way. I could not believe yeah. Chunk wasn't on what the did I write? I said, it goes, it, it's a minor tragedy that the second half of this movie, Chunk's kind of just not in it. Yeah, like, yeah. They take him off Chunk the board. Chunk is my favorite character. Also, they left him behind in the fridge. Did they forget about him? Yeah. That they yeah. tried. That's they, harsh. That was a huge oversight to leave Chunk behind. They like tried. It's like they had to for the plot, but it actually is an indictment on like the character of Sean Astin and all these kids that they're just like yeah. fuck it, keep it moving. He's gonna be fine. But, it's like, but maybe Chunk is a guy who sort of is so resilient to like, ow, He just I'm disappears sh- sometimes? Yeah, sure. Like, maybe. It's Chunk like, being Chunk. It's Chunk being Chunk. I don't know. He'll, he's fine. No, he always Chunk's ends up Chunk's main fine. character trait is he's a total nervous Nelly and a fuck up. 
Like is everyone, it, no one I thinks think his character trait okay. is that he's a, that he's a little asshole. Like Chunk? We tell when he gets interrogated and he says all the horrible things he does, which oh, is like they were very hilarious. innocuous things. It was just the thing any kid does. The by barf accident. thing is not innocuous. He got sick during the movie and barfed. He didn't over the get balcony. sick. I even wrote it down because I thought it was so fucking funny that I went home and I mixed a pot of fake puke at home, and then I went to the movie theater. And then I went to this movie theater, hid the puke in my jacket, climbed up to the balcony, and then. This is that I made a noise like this. Oh, I thought he actually no, barfed. No, to pretend oh. I was puking. And he goes, I dumped it over the side and all the people, they started getting sick and throwing up on each other. But Chunk has a good heart, I think. <laughs> he he drops things. He's clumsy. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I think he's just a little, to he's me, a little stinker. But he's the, very neurotic yeah. also and has social anxiety and things like that. Oh, like, that barf thing made me laugh. Yeah. Like I had to pause it. I was laughing so hard. Speaking <laughs> of things that made me laugh, one of the funnier lines in this film uh, was when he does break the mom's statue and the penis comes off. He goes, oh, that's my mom's favorite part. But th- <laughs> see, see that, that left me with more questions than anything. Yeah. I'm like, okay, she's not using it as a dildo. What she just loves. She, loves she admires the penis. She just loves looking. It's not even a big dick, though. No, but the artist, it's, it's the human form. It's not? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> And then when they put it upside down, and Look, then oh, it looked yeah. like a little mini boner. Yeah, uh-huh. I yeah, I wasn't sure about that. I, part. I just, I just, to me, it read like like adults finding it funny that this mom yeah. has this thing for penises, penises. Yeah. and then the kids who don't even really know how to like contextualize it, he's just like, oh no, it's my mom's favorite part. It's just like so, it's funny to me because it's just like like you said, what does it say? Well, I, yeah, I was mom? thinking, I was overthinking it. one time. Like mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so I enjoyed that line. I. Yeah, and uh, yeah, okay. Well, I'll save some of my other thoughts for for the back end of this. But um, what are some of the things that we thought uh, really worked? Do you want to do best character? Do you want to do? Yeah, let's. Yeah, well, want to hit best character? Well, wait, wait. Just just beforehand, what sure, works sure, sure. for me is all the set pieces with the booby traps. Yeah, I I loved uh, how elaborate they were. Um, Did you have a favorite one? I in my mind, I thought there was way more. There really wasn't was that two, right? There was that the, many. There's like three. But the I piano I piano one, just, the big boulders coming down. What am I missing? Yeah, and then... Uh, the, the way they get into there, it in the first place? There was one with the uh, leaving One-Eyed Willie's gold, and the the Fratellis get booby-trapped. Yeah, oh, the on the scale. Yeah. It's his it's his gold, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I loved that that set at the end that kind of looked like something out of like Universal Studios lot, where it's like the boat in this cove that yeah. no one's mm-hmm. discovered before. And, uh, it just seemed... When I was watching that, I was just like, it would have been so fun to be one of these kids that got cast in this movie and you just get to do this for two weeks. Whatever the shooting was. Oh, I was going like, down the slide. All oh. I'm thinking about is if that is really warm water, that's going to be so fun to just keep doing over and over and over It again. was fun to watch when I was a kid and I didn't really know how movies were made. And it was fun to watch now as an adult because I was just like... put together the soundstage in Burbank that they started. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. like, what a fun day to go to work every day when you're like... 12 years old, you don't know what the future holds. You probably think you're going to be in movies forever. And it's just like, life was probably at its apex. Oh, of you're amazing. probably kissing your first girl, like on screen. Like, yeah. it'd be yeah. so exciting. Yeah, very, 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 very fun to watch. And things did work out pretty well for Josh Brolin. So he wasn't wrong. No, yeah. Brolin, Brolin had a nice long <laughs> career. Hey, yeah. man, Feldman still, I think he owns a nice home, you know. And like, the uh, Chunk became a successful lawyer. Yeah. So I think it worked I out did for literally that. every single person. Um, Anyone got any tabs on data? What happened there? No idea. Yeah, data? he was probably the least successful. Mm. 
Um, all right. What are we doing? Best performance or best scene? Best, we usually do performance first. Okay, let's do it. Well, just because I'll go first just because I'm... I know, you've been itching to well, say Well, Chunk it. is so good. <laughs> Chunk is... You love you some Chunk. Chunk is so funny. I felt that whole interrogation thing and I kept cutting back to it. He was... He was he was so. I felt like everything. Like I was so keyed into this kid. I loved his. Prof I loved thinking that he was like a, like a Chris Farley or, or like one of these like fat Chicago comedians. But as a ten year old, it's actually kind of shocking to like. It, it looks like exactly the kind of kid who like he would be on SNL like ten years after this. Yeah. Because he was really funny. Great timing. Um, I, I there was a joke. I'm like, this proves how good Chunk is. Is when he call when he calls the police and the police says, oh, this is one of those pranks. Like that time you told me 50 Iranian terrorists uh, took over all the Sizzler steakhouses in the city. I'm like, that was a line not even delivered by Chunk, but because you know it alludes to some other prank he did like earlier. Like it's but funny. also. Did the officer fall for that one? Is that the know. insinuation? You also hear it in Chunk's voice. I have yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. And it's, that's how you know you've created a great character where someone else can do a line that he had said earlier and it's still funny because it's a Chunk line. Mm -hmm. So Chunk is, I just think he's awesome. <laughs> Who you got as best performance? I, I, I'm not going against Chunk. Chunk is obviously the best in, in my eyes. He's so funny. He's so perfect. It's like, it's hard to believe that a kid actor could even be that I agree funny. with that. I agree. Like, how That's does it. he even exist? Usually when there's kid, kids doing comedy, it usually feels like you can feel the line reading and they don't understand why what they're saying is so funny, but the adults are all laughing. This kid clearly yeah. knows what he's doing and the performance. Well, funny. and he's not pretending he's an adult yeah. either, which is yes. like Macaulay Culkin and Uncle Buck and Home Alone. He's kind of Great being point. mature beyond his years, and that's like, ha-ha, that's funny. But Chunk is exactly how you'd want him to be at that age. Right. Yeah, uh, I agree. Chunk steals mm -hmm. the movie. And not for a lack of Corey Feldman trying to steal the movie. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, how do we feel about Sean Astin? He's the heart of the movie. He's the thing that drives the plot, which can be a boring, thankless role. He's yeah. got to be He's, he's be the, the Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Didn't like Sean Astin. Okay, interesting. <laughs> and, and he's the reason that we're supposed to kind of ultimately care about this journey, Correct. which, by the way, might have been a failing, and we can get to that. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm more asking how you guys felt because I wasn't 100% sure how I he felt. He was so keen, and he was so... Like, if you compare him to the Chunk character, who Chunk feels like a little kid who's sort of just drifting from thing to thing, and, and uh, sometimes he's bawling his eyes out and, like, literally... 10 seconds later, he's eating ice cream on the ground. And that's fun. Like, that feels like what a kid would more be like rather than like this. Sean Astin felt like he was trying to act like an adult and try to. Anyways, mm -hmm. I can talk more about that afterwards. Sure. But, but I just uh, felt like it highlighted how good Chunk was. I agree with you guys that the, uh, that the uh, Chunk would be my number one. And then honestly, like in a lesser role, maybe one of the Fratellis, you know, mm -hmm. uh, would, would come they were both so good. Ones. There was there was a part where they're both Ma and both where boys. they were fighting and they fell off a thing and they both said to each other, "Hey, you okay? You okay?" And then they start fighting again. I'm like, that is so funny. That is so brilliant. Yeah. And it's so like two guys who have found in what should be cartoon. I thought they were great. And well, I loved him saying when he clearly wears a hairpiece. Yeah, one seat his hair so comes good. Out, but he says, "I don't wear a hairpiece." So he's only doing that for the, in front of the kids' benefit <laughs> yes. because his brother knows he, he wears a hairpiece. As if he feels bad that the kids yeah. might know, and it's literally like three seconds later that you see his like bald head. Mm -hmm. It was so, it was kind of a weird scene. Uh, speaking of the Fratellis, where when they're at the restaurant the first time they encounter the Fratellis and Ma. Like after they leave the restaurant, she leans up against the door and she goes, 
kids suck. That was weird. How weird line. was that? I don't. In fact, I I questioned whether that scene was even in the original movie. I was like, is this some weird bonus features that Crave is given to me? Like the, in the way <laughs> the way you watch Dumb and Dumber stars. I know, I know, I know what you mean. Because it just felt very like, are we trying to lay on thick that there's a real delineation between adults and kids yeah, in this movie? And you're supposed to pick is. sides. Well, in my mind, I was like, oh, I know what she's gonna say. I hate kids. But then she said, kids suck. And I was like, that wasn't delivered right. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, almost something a yeah. kid would say. Like you mm-hmm. said, uh, the, the, the former line that you said is... I hate kids. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's better. Uh, okay. Uh, just one more thing for Telly's because there was one little throwaway gag for Tell- where there was a newspaper that they found where it just says, for Telly's, at it again. <laughs> so stupid, that, that I thought was so funny. Such an perfect. 80s movie thing. It's perfect because it makes no sense. And I'm like, because it makes no sense, that's why it's funny. For Telly's, at it again. With the photos yeah, it was and great. the big headline. It's funny. And I, I wonder if somebody wrote out an article, you know, really committed to the yeah. uh, to the, the story. All right, best scene. Best scene. Go for it. Uh, so, I mean, I brought up the interrogation thing with Chunk, which I thought that's probably the best scene for me. The other one that really stood out, and this is, might actually start bridging into like the next part, just because the thing that stood out that I really liked was the part with the pipes, where they're pulling on the pipes. Wow. And we're cutting. Slapstick city. And we're, yeah. And I'm like, and I was like, I don't know what I like about this. I was like, where do I have this written down? Um, yeah. Like, I'm like, I, I just kept writing down like water fountain gag, funny, shower gag, funny, like individual things like the guy's in the toilet. And like, I'm like, these are this, I'm like, I don't know what it is. I know it's not a very, it's a random scene, but it was just really, really well done, I guess. And then today, so I thought that like yesterday, and then today when I'm sort of looking up like facts about the movie, I learned that Spielberg specifically directed that scene. And I was going to say, because it feels like it's from another movie. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, wow this movie, like, all of a sudden the energy of this movie has really changed and I'm really keyed into this scene. I really like it for some reason. I'm like, and I see today, I'm like, Spielberg directed a few specific scenes of this movie and Spielberg directed that scene in particular. I'm like, okay, I don't know, that might explain a few ways I feel about this movie. But yeah, I, the, uh, probably the interrogation scene though is the real, just because it's just Chunk getting to be his most Chunk and that barf thing was so funny. Yeah, Chunk, Chunk being Chunk is the best and that scene embodies Chunk doing what he does best. Uh, I love watching uh, the one for Telly's face as he's loving what Chunk is saying too, because his face he kind says, of represents. I'm to like this kid, yeah, ma. But if you watch him, it's like he's feeling the way we're all feeling. Like, oh, I love this. I love this kid. A lesser, a lesser scene would have that guy still trying to be mean and trying to exactly. It, yeah, no, no, yeah. I thought the same thing. Uh, Mikey? Yeah, uh, uh, that's a great scene. Uh, I think we're all kind of aligned on the idea that, like, the more chunk, the better. He's yeah, sort of, you know. For sure. It, 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 but, I, I mean, even when I was younger and this movie would sort of come on or pop up on TV and now, I just love when they finally get to the boat. I feel yeah. like that, that, once we hit that in the film, I'm like, okay, like... I, I like looking at it. I like feeling it. I like them in the water. You, the octopus. It's kind of, It's exciting. They have to like, you know, when Sean Astin comes in and he sees the skeleton of Willie, and you know, the point where I think Feldman or someone goes for the the gold on the scale, and he's like, mm-hmm. no, everything mm-hmm. else. But that's we leave Willie's that for gold. that's yeah. Willie's gold. Um, I love that. I love all that. And sort of like, I guess it's. It, I think it's a different scene, but I always enjoyed uh, when I was younger. Although now it didn't hit nearly as much. Uh, maybe because I, I was thinking a bit too much about it, but I always loved when the boat finally came out 
uh, when the, the sheriffs, they're all on the beach now, and yeah, it's kind of he's about yeah. to sign the papers uh, to give away the house, and then they rip up the papers, and he doesn't have to sell the house, and they have the rubies. I, I always loved that as a kid because I, I was like, I really want him to keep the house. I didn't want them to move yeah. to Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the sheriff, you know, he has the. I was watching his acting this time too because I know that he's the one that sort of is like, what the hell? Because it's like, mm-hmm. is this another story of yours or whatever? And we found the pirate ship. Yeah, Anthony, yeah. that has a pirate treasure hunt. We're getting changed by the Patelli. All, right. All right, fellas, that's yeah. enough. Yeah. Tell him more stories, Lawrence. Oh, no, it's not for real. Holy Mary, mother of God. But right. in my brain, I thought that, I thought they somehow like, had rights to the, all of the gold because they had discovered the treasure. In reality, like that boat just sails off. Like the Coast Guard will get it and they'll do something else with the money, but it doesn't go to to Mike and the, the boys. The, yeah, whatever, I, I don't like whatever's that. in that little bag is that's is what they the got. Entirety of what they have. I have a whole thing. I oh, that, say about that's this annoying. Bag of, I yeah. never thought about it until this <laughs> watching. I Man. always was like, "Oh, they got there their first. Some... It's their gold. Everything on the, the boat." The way that this movie wraps up makes oh my absolutely God. no sense. Can we sense. at least get like a prospect or someone in there to evaluate the <laughs> true value of the rubies? Like, okay, we'll talk about. We'll get into it because I literally wrote an almost identical thing to that. Yeah. Where I was like, "Excuse me, just because you look at a bunch of anyways, we'll talk." All right, I mean, we can get into it now if we let's, want. Let's get into the. Well, uh, let's, okay, so let me just say the the second part of what I was saying about how so i've i love I, we are now into the case for knocking it off yes we're now in the case of knocking off the best do it i really really love superman the movie it's great i you, think it's one of the best you're a richard donner ever. fan hold on <laughs> i'm a fan of richard donner the director of superman the movie and i and i've had this thought for years from like i don't think he has made any other what adult about lethal weapon Horrible. Have you watched it recently? No. Oh, oh, Lethal Weapon and Die Hard are the movies I always mix up. Remember, we were trying to figure out the movies I always mix up. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's one of those like you rewatch some of like Richard Donner stuff and you're like, this guy is like nuts. And so you, uh, he's, he takes everything too seriously and 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 it's chaotic and cluttered and everyone's yelling all the time. And I and and, and so I, I wonder. I'm like, uh, so the things that I like about this movie are like the the precocious kids and the little adventure that they're on and the sort of the, that style. And the things I don't like are the nonsensical, super takes itself too seriously kind of plotting and and the and the way that everything is very frenetic and cluttered. I'm like, I wonder if. The things I like are the Spielberg stuff, and the things I hate are the Richard Donner stuff. I don't know if I'm projecting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just. I, Feels I like that's a little unfair. I, uh, yeah, I do. Eighty percent of this admit, movie is precocious kids on an adventure. I wouldn't say it's. But I'm just saying. I, I, I'm wondering how much of the stuff I hate is just the uh, that I because I, I see it in other Richard Donner stuff, like the le- the Lethal Weapons yeah. are, perfect, are, are perfect examples. The, the 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 seriousness of this movie, of a kids movie that this is supposed to be a kids movie that. Where that is four adults with the swearing. It feels like the clash of the the clash of what it wants to be is is is. I, I can't connect it. I can't connect it as I'm watching. It felt like it was really respecting kids though, and how Did kids it? are. Like it I felt knew... like it was saying to like twelve year olds, you're either four or you're twenty. Like it was you're either like it, it was weird. What's the four part though? The one eyed Willie and let, 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 let's go find some treasure and and it was like booby tra- like it was like very things that were like more for like little little kids while also making jokes about sexual torture devices and cocaine and heroin. It was just felt all over the place tone wise. I don't know for that was kind of me from like eight till 11 like I was I was on both sides I was I would I knew sex was like very taboo and drugs were this weird thing but I also was silly enough to believe that 
some treasure maps actually led to treasure. Right. I'm not, I'm not even saying it's wrong as much as it is just like annoying to watch, I guess. I said, it's, I said it has the actual energy of an annoying 11-year-old where it is sort of like it's so all over the place and it's so chaotic and it's so like – I kept writing the word chaos. This is chaotic. There's just so much happening. And the kids yell – Every single other, always yelling. I'm like, my head is hurting. These kids are yelling like all the time. It's just, did you not feel that way? That like this chaos. I didn't feel like they were always yelling. Maybe they were. Again, this is the great debate going on right now is, is this nostalgia influencing yeah. me so much to the point where I can't even properly review this movie. Yeah. I, I wrote that. I'm like, it's, it's weird to be watching a movie that I, like I, I've never seen a 35 year old mouth along with Corey Feldman's line about like, this is my wish. But you know what? This one, this one right here, this was my dream, my wish, and it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back. I've never seen it, but you can just absolutely picture, like I think this scene is a bad scene and it's badly written and badly performed, but I can see like, I can look beside me and picture the person like looking up at the screen and mouthing along with it because it must mean a ton to them. So what, mm -hmm. what about it? means so much to them that I could not plug into. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, it's really it's it's doing the thing where it's trying to acknowledge a lot that it is kind of a movie like with the uh Josh Brolin line when uh what's his name Sean Aston's giving the speech to One-Eyed Willie and then mm -hmm. it's revealed they're all there watching. It's like how long were you guys there? He's like long enough. <laughs> long <laughs> enough. And he says it again. I was like that's incredibly lame, but in the context of this fantasy movie I'm totally buying into that they do talk a little bit yeah. weirder. I said, like, I feel like there's going to be a lot of, ah, it's a kid's movie. I feel like I'm like, that's going to sort of be the, I don't know, or fantasy. I feel like there's going to be a lot of, like, ah, it's a, this kind of a movie. It's like, I don't know. It feels like, like, do you want to, let's get into, like, specifics of it, because I'm, I'm, sure. I know I'm very, I'm being very okay. broad right now. Rose, Rosalita, just, it makes yeah. no sense. Okay, so the conceit is the mom has hired a Spanish housekeeper to help them move out of the house? To pack things, yeah. Why can't it be a Spanish buff dude who's strong enough to clean yeah. a whole house and lift things? Right. Like, that woman's not physically capable of doing a competent you enough You started job. with the sexual torture device joke and then said, how do we get this into the movie? Mm -hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes. But but couldn't he be a Spanish man? Yeah, And that sure. it solves every problem with uh, the Spanish being a big part of the movie? Uh, story yeah. is a small town. Yeah. So, so, so you don't know who's available. The only work that you could she find. might be the only yeah. labor. Bolin would do more work than she would. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, yeah. That's, and the fact that she I'm finds the jewels at the end, and she immediately is like, "Here, here, this is yours now." Like she mm -hmm. found. Like, wouldn't you be like, "No, this is put in my purse and walk or away." Or she's been, she's so <laughs> invested after these eight hours of knowing this family and the, that she's and the like, only don't thing sign, that she knew, don't sign. The only thing that she knew was the dad has sexual torture devices and hides heroin around the house. Because as far as we are concerned, the reality is she believes these to be facts. Yeah. But I'm assuming she has done her work since she was told that egregious lie. What are you, what are you crossing your eyes for? Of but course, Rosalita went through the house and cleaned it up and packed everything into boxes. She's no, she knows there's so no heroin the in the top So now at the end, she's like, okay, so that kid was, was being funny. Of and, course she okay, realized right, that at this right. point. There's a whole other movie that's just focused on Rosalita doing her work while this adventure is going on. <laughs> it's just so tedious. Yeah. It's like just her seven gluing hours. that dick back on properly. <laughs> Oy, my back. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I thought, speaking of, the, we've talked about it a couple of times, there's a, this, this movie at times is very mean-spirited. Like, mm -hmm. I, whom? 
I did not find Corey Feldman fucking with the Spanish no. cleaner funny. I no. thought it was just like this is this is so incredibly cruel to somebody to like explain all these things. And but I know why it's funny if you're a kid. Like I, I, I don't probably, even think do it you? was funny to me as a right. kid. I'm working overtime to see if a kid would enjoy would enjoy this. What does a kid enjoy that drugs joke in Spanish? I wrote that as I no, was. No, watching. no, no. I think a little the, shit does. Yeah, and the I think joke he's is you're fucking shit. with her. That's the thing. You're fucking with her, and that's funny to kids. It's like, oh my god, he's totally messing with this person. That's really hard to watch now, where you're just like. Eh, it's why kids can be annoying. You like well, to say it's a fantasy a for a kid to be having the power and fucking with adults. Yes. So it's less funny and more just like, oh, here's how much of a piece of shit Corey Feldman is. Yeah. I think. Because, you know, everyone's had that kind of best friend who's doing stuff that you're like, I can't believe you're doing that. And it's just shocking. He also, and that is cool. He also has this kind of superpower. He can speak Spanish. That's actually no small yep. thing. And he's speaking it very fluently. And, all yeah. this. So and it's that kind does of come up later with the reading the notes and reading things so it yeah, is, it's, so baked, it is it's kind of a to, point to having there is that a point there. to it yeah yeah anyway I, that scene i was just like and it's pretty early on it's like right off the top i'm just like wow what a dick and honestly like the truffle shuffle i think is mean too but you could make the I argument no that kids that. are like that yeah but the, you know they treat like chunk doesn't want to do it to get into the fucking house he doesn't yeah. want to do it mm-hmm. and it's 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 dehumanizing but you could. I will buy the argument that that's what kids are like, and I'm sure I was like. It was that, really so, yeah. illuminating uh, when I. So when I said I watched this for the first time eight years ago, so I watched it on this like special edition DVD that had like a, a, a making of. So I watched the whole making of documentary, and it was like very clear that Richard Donner like really didn't like these kids. Like it was just very clear. That well, explains says, the line. <laughs> he says I don't like kids. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. it's very clear, and it's so it's very clear that when there's like a meanness to it, like it's almost like you can feel like the director. The person making this movie actually thinks like kids are little shits. He thinks kids kid, are little assholes. He thinks so kids you, suck, and yeah, he made that suck. actor say yeah. the uh, the line. Like, you, you almost like you, you I, I don't know. It does. I I can't get around the idea that it does feel like there's this like culture clash of like Spielberg. I love kids adventures, things like that, and Richard Donner, who's like, no, the world is crazy and sucks, and kids are horrible. Well, there's and always assholes. one kid who's a little shit, and that's represented. There's yeah. one kid who's an angel, like Sean this Astin. Was just, uh, did you not? I, I felt like the movie just tonally was all over the place. I felt like there were times when it was a fun little kids' adventure where they're doing little booby traps, and I got to play this thing on the piano. And there are times when when bad guys want to stick a kid's hand in a blunder. Like it's just it was so. But I think weird. <laughs> I th- I don't think you ever really thought the hand will go in the blender. Yeah, I just I, sure, but I just mean it's just tone like it's just weird to have both those things be in the same movie. Mm-hmm. Feels like Chris Columbus is a very uh, I mean obviously we end up seeing it Home Alone. He's kind mm-hmm. of very fascinated by the idea of violence as comedy. Somehow yeah. in the Home Alone movies that 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 violence it's sort of that you that Does it? They, they found the right When was the last time you watched it? I haven't watched mm-hmm. it. I watched Home Alone 2 over the holidays. Oh, you are a big Trump fan. He does <laughs> I watch Home Alone every year, and it's, <laughs> it, it is it's pretty brutal. Like, when he sets a blowtorch to Joe Pesci's head, like, like this oh kid's my a maniac. goodness, yeah, yeah, he is a maniac. Uh, Maybe you're right. Yeah, but um, it it is interesting. Like the uh, the idea of it, you're saying it's tonally sort of all over the place. I I also like you know we talk sometimes about things that haven't aged well. Opening with like um sort of a, a prison break that opens with a suicide gag mm-hmm. is so fascinating that in twenty twenty when mental health is such a focus on just the way people have empathy for one another, it's like you would never open a kid's movie with that gag. Oh, never. Killing himself. Well, especially with that Epstein thing that just happened. Oh, my goodness. That's actually how Epstein got out. Yeah. They don't tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's dead? You got the idea from watching (laughs) the movie? (laughs) It's like, to whomever finds me, you think I'd be that stupid to kill myself? You (laughs) schmuck. Goonies never die. Like, there's some actual... And then he, he had literally, like, 
Bill Clinton out in the car. They la- they fired <laughs> the getaway ghost. Hillary Clinton. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a funny Senator joke Clinton? because obviously yeah. let's go <laughs> let's go uh, oh, the opening scene I said I liked it and I do and I think the editing was awesome but if we're being nitpicky about realism and things like that the gasoline pouring the gas around the station lighting it with a bullet the flames aren't even that high, high. enough for the police the not police to jump could over easily they hop over walk, I thought that walk, yeah. take one step over like, that flame those police are such cowards there would be at least one alpha cop who would risk it they're kids movie cops it's all that mm-hmm. whole scene is is it, you're right the whole thing is silly but the whole movie's silly but the thing is the movie is rife with stuff like that it is there's a bunch of stuff that like like i guess if i'm forced to like not have to think about it like so, the, here's the question though. But for a 12 year old, sure, you don't care, right? But I, are we talking? About, are we talking about? Yeah, I, I'm. T- if I, if it's, but if I, but am I talking about? Does this work as a movie? That's, a great question. that's sort of the thing. Like, yes, I guess if I'm in like a like a half brain dead 12 year old watching this movie, none oh, of this you matters. You think Donner to me. hates kids? <laughs> no, no, no. You know what I mean? Like, feel. But see, I don't feel like this is a movie. Are you insinuating that you, as a 12 year old, were were too sophisticated for this film? No, no. I feel like there are more sophisticated, better choices. Like. I was thinking out loud. I was like, I guess there wasn't any like movies for 12-year-olds. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yes, there was. Like Star Wars. Star Wars was absolutely perfect for 12-year-olds. I that, hate That's Star a way Wars. different movie, too. But but it, but it Stand I, By Me would be maybe the... Sure, and Stand By Me. That's a great another, example. That, that is a great, exa- a great example. I just... It, it felt like it was like... It's for 12-year-olds the way like Teletubbies are for like one-year-olds. Like I guess it is for them, but it is like kind of... Star Wars, I knew as a kid, that could never happen. To I me, Princess Bride, that's the one that, like, the Princess Bride, that's a great one for a 12 year old that is, like, great for a 12 year old. I just, I don't know. Like, things like, I'll go right to the gems thing, where I'm like, literally, as I'm watching, I'm like, this makes, like, no sense. Well, no, that, okay, so here's the thing certain things matter. Like, so Princess Bride, nobody dies, one, right? Yeah. The torture is, like, kind of the heaviest thing. We talked about that on our episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Goonies, like, Stand By Me treats death as something permanent and heavy and emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goonies treats death as, like, a plot point for, like, exhilarating adventure. It, it's, like, it's just another silly thing that happens along with, you know, sloth and all of the... It's just something that happens along the way. Death isn't heavy. It doesn't mean anything, right? It's just, like... Yeah. That's Tell scary. that to Chunk. He was pretty terrified <laughs> yeah. in that. I was terrified yeah. if I was in that, that, that meat he locker. He wanted to play the violin, man. Yeah. But Stand By Me is like, it's a, it's a movie that is more serious. It takes place in the real world. This movie does not take place in a real yeah, world. Yeah, it's a fantasy film. Exactly. Yes. And if you're a kid and you want to be represented and you don't see movies that represent you, I don't think Star Wars is the movie to do that. The uh, What's the other one? The Princess Bride yeah. is just a kid's yeah. homesick. This is like an actual gang of kids. Every kid wants a gang of friends yeah. that... They can rely on, and it's never really re- represented outside of Stand By Me. I see what you're saying too, though, about it being all over the place. Totally, it's it's like it's 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 not it's too silly for adults. Yeah, and feels but uh, like like my wife was watching. She's like, I don't like. There's some like really very grown up weird elements to this, and I'm like, I don't know if I would be comfortable with my ten year old watching this. But I mean, mm-hmm. the point is, regardless of whether a parent thinks it's appropriate, that's not the point. The point is, a ten year olds are ten year olds are a little more sophisticated than we think they are. Yeah, I mean, um, but know. I just mean so. So I, I wanted to because some of these plot, I, I just, I, 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 they bug me so much, and the end, that ending with the gems thing, bugged me so much. Of the idea of we're go, like the bank is going to foreclose on this town, 
and we're going to foreclose on all these houses and we're going to tear it down and the and the, and the this country club is going to buy it back from the bank and that is the plot of this movie trying to stop it and they're literally standing there signing it and they find a little bag full of random gems and that's it every single problem is solved and i'm just like i'm like that that's it just I know it's a movie, and I know and a that kids movie, and, and that's it's a kids movie. Think about yes. like when you watch shitty cartoons; the plot is always solved but by shitty some cartoons. weird. It's just like what I mean. Like it is, it is a, it is a bad, clumsy. It feels like it, it kind of sums up the problems with the movie. Or it's like it feels like well, let's just move from thing to thing without un, without really understanding why we're doing it, and like. Like well, the, it's, used the, the thing you said about like trying to find who's actually going to buy these gems, like yeah, yeah. who's going to buy like the amount. Well, of they time need to be appraised, even if you find someone to <laughs> it's to true. buy them. It needs to be appraised. No, but just if if you're looking at it for realism, yeah, it's an extremely dumb part, especially to watch now. What bothers me more about that scene is they're wrapping it up way too quickly in this tight package. Like all of a sudden, it, it seems like a, a an outright comedy when Chunk's like sloth. You're gonna live with me now. Yeah, I'm gonna take care of you. Because I love you. Because I love you. It's like, what? You, you haven't talked to your dad. You're just going to adopt <laughs> this superhuman freak into your family? Like, maybe show something like You're going to live with us now. That's what yeah, he said. Exactly. And it just seemed like a skit I would have written when I was in my 20s, like, just trying to wrap things up comically yeah. There's stupid. There's a few moments, like, that was another, uh, that, that, there's a few thoughts like that throughout this movie of, like, writing a skit. Like, when uh, Mikey is trying to describe the One-Eyed Willie legend, mm -hmm. I'm like, that feels like a skit. Where it's like, it's like, hey, uh, One-Eyed Willie, have you heard of him? Yeah, I have heard of him. And then just right off the top of his head, he rattles off this like crazy, like long-winded story about One-Eyed Willie. Yeah. And he's like, uh, what about uh, that ex over there? I asked my dad the very same question. And he said, and then there's even like more of this, like, it played like a joke. Yeah, and it wasn't, speaking of like tonal shifts and all that, they, they, they really brushed over the foreclosure and everything. Mm -hmm. As a kid, that would be very hard to understand. Like, oh, so not only Mikey, but everyone in the town's kind of losing their, their home. Yeah. Like that, it was, it was even like I had to pay extra attention to I understand that, I which would now, go over a ton of kids' heads. I yeah, think. even right now, I found it a little confusing and was like, what is that? What is exactly the plot of this movie? Also, a weird shot at Detroit. Because that's where Mikey was going to have to move. And Corey Feldman's oh, like, yeah. home of Motown. Also the highest murder capital in the world, or whatever. <laughs> I was like, good well, what did Detroit do to get mm. shit on at the start of this movie? Uh, the Troy character. Can we talk about him for a Which minute? One's he? He's the, the, the guy that wants to be with Carrie Green. Oh, so his... His dad is the foreclosure guy? Yeah. Okay. And so he's the rich kid in town. He's the one that holds Josh Brolin's hand and runs him off the road. Who wants to murder Josh Brolin? What a so weird. violent scene. Mm -hmm. Like, I sometimes see movies like this from the 80s, and I go, you know, you'd hear, like, these stories, and it's like, oh, like, some kids do something crazy, and it leads to death, or they got maimed in, in real life, right? And you go, well, no wonder. Like, you see a scene like that, and there's no consequences, so you think that's a, that's a prank. If you're prone to being a bully... You see something like that, and it's like maybe I'll grab someone's hand next time they're on a bike, and I'm gonna just mm -hmm. I'm gonna put it at 50 yeah. and let them go flying. Now, of course, you would never actually stay on the bike as long as he is, and the, the training wheels are falling off, and the the tires smoking, and the sparks. But what would you do if someone's holding your arm? What like what are you gonna do? Just let go of the bike? You're gonna get dragged? The bike would literally just collapse. Like the wheel oh, like would the, turn. The, the physics you, of it would not work. The physics wouldn't work. All right. So what? But what I'm saying is, it's like that wouldn't stop some asshole, some 16 year old that's got their dad's car from fucking with somebody that way in 1985. In my mind, I'm watching this. I'm, again, I might be projecting or building upon building, but I, what I'm saying is it's like we make these, they made these films and they seem like it's played for laughs, it's innocuous, 
But if you're a bully, that's almost like a, a how-to. And it's like, why wouldn't you recreate it? Because you probably don't even think you're going to murder somebody. You it, think they're going to end up in the bushes like Josh Brolin and have a bruise on your head. Maybe, but I feel like kids know real danger. Even a bully knows the kind of the appropriate amount to rough you that's up. That's fair. Yeah, uh, It's almost like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, them throwing DJ Jazzy Jeff out. In real life. That's a terrible toss that that guy, when he lands, he's going to be brutally injured. Oh, he'd but, be suing the banks. Yeah, very wealthy. Uh, but we just accept but, but, it, right? And like you're saying, this is kind of cartoonish with yep. the bag of marbles and everything. I put that violence in that comic violence territory. I'll buy that. But I wonder if it, it plays into what I was saying, the, the to- like tonally, because uh, it really stuck out for me too. Where I'm like, wow, it's a really weird scene. Even maybe it's just the way it's made. made like there's something to it where it seems just a little more vicious than just being cartoon violence. It really does feel like he's trying to kill this guy. It feels like it. It feels like he's trying to kill well, it's Josh like, Brolin. It's like Home Alone. The blowtorch to the skull would fry your brain. Okay, I'm coming around on Home Alone. Being, right. it, it is vicious. <laughs> what, what, um, <laughs> and, what that and kid does to those guys. So the scene in the well, they, they have this pivotal moment where they can either take the, uh, the bucket up. the whole thing here, the well thing. So. Or they can continue on their journey to find Willie's uh, treasure. Uh, and then she sends up the cardigan because she decides to stay down there. And uh, and the way that that actor, that Troy character, like mourns the sweater. But even when the sweater comes up, his two buddies like back off the well, like yep. whoa. Well, and that and made what? me laugh so hard. It's like, is it really a surprise that they're not? coming up like how dumb are these guys a human body in a sweater wait wait a totally different they're amount they're just pulling up the bucket what did they expect like literally a <laughs> 15 pound person the, the weight of the bucket and a, and a yeah, cardigan that's funny the whole thing just made me like explode laughing and i'm just like what was the direction on this like like, like he just inherently knows that this is a symbolic gesture to say the relationship's over and i'm leaving with josh brolin now like, yeah i love him yeah yeah Anyway, the the well thing highlighted another issue that I was having, and I think you alluded to it earlier about the idea of like all this stuff just is kind of like under the town, and no one's ever like <laughs> noticed it before. Like the well is a perfect like you could sort of talk yourself into it, but then here's this well that everyone knows like really really well, and there's a thing, and and you can see to the bottom like pretty clearly. Great point. It's really not that far. Someone down. when there's taken, a bunch no of someone would have taken the bucket have down. Gone down ever. And then you're halfway through the clearly because the reason they kept going was we got further than anyone's ever gotten before. That's where the well is. It's like so you're telling me that at any given point someone could have like gone halfway through their advance and no one's done it before. You could see clearly down there only because they had the lantern. Typically, it's probably just a, a black. Sure, but infinite I'm saying ne- like abyss. At no point. There's no like no one ever looked. It just seems so. You mean like an adult, a city worker? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one in the city. I know again. It's a kid's movie. It's a fantasy movie. I get it. It just seems so, like, just that way it was done and shot and, like, how she's clearly not down far enough. It was just seems so, like... Have you ever gone through, like, a sewer system? No, but I'm saying I can have... I don't know. I, I, I would have been the one yeah, to do it. I have. We did. We did you know what? It. I can it was imagine scary, if though. I'm we didn't 13 go very far. and there was a well in my town and I, like, dropped something. I could see myself being like, we got to go down. Like, I could, like... Wow. No one ever did it, tried it, took the bucket down. I don't know. Same thing with the... You're telling me that this cove with this boat has been behind literally a single wall in this town like for shit gets discovered all the time like uh, you know they'll find some weird fossil or it's just weird that it's like a singular wall again i agree but it's like they didn't separate it and not like it, they, it just made it too easy the way you said mm-hmm. like they sometimes just make everything so easy it undercuts 
the adventure part of it. Like it's so easy for this for this a single wall to come down, and that's where this giant hidden cove with with like a billion dollars apparently was inside of. And then it just wrapped, and then like, oh, well, there it goes. It's just no, just clumsy. A lot, a lot of like, a lot of. The, if you if you explain to me the idea and you explain to me mm-hmm. these scenes, I might like it. And then when I, I, I don't think it was practice, just a simple wall. Like it was a pretty thick stone that had to come down once they do the piano trick. Like that was no pretty... one in the town. Like you like you. I don't know. Do you think? Know. Do you think when they make a film like this in like 1985, they could picture like the future where people just can watch it whenever they want and endlessly pick it apart because when this film was Great, made that's a good point you could only go when it would be re-released in theaters like, oh they didn't have VHS not yet. it was like just on the dawn of it but like Star Wars came out in 77 but even my uncle, da- my uncle Bob loved Star Wars he saw it like 50 times in the theater but then he had to wait till like 81 when they re-released it to yeah. see it again it was just a cultural thing even with VHS I don't think people do what we do now where they like minutia go through oh like writers now like if you're Damon Lindelof and you're doing Watchmen you go this is what I want to do poke every hole in it and let's make it airtight, mm-hmm. yeah. right? I don't think anybody would have thought that way in 1983 or 84 when you're writing this <laughs> script. But anyway. And I'm, even if you do think that way, you think you're the only one with these thoughts. Yeah. Like That's so many times point. the internet just revealed that, oh, we all are thinking the same thing. There's a, and uh, we all missed it. That happens a lot too, where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, that kind of ruins that. You know? yeah. Dan Harmon had a great thing on his podcast where he says he misses those those days because he's like, like people are so scared of being derivative these days where he's like, I, I kind of miss, like don't worry so much about like copying. Like it, some, some of the more creative stuff came out because people weren't thinking about what other people are doing and other people are thinking what ideas are out there. So yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and just more like the nitpicking of the well. Like, they would never think they'd live in a world where three guys would be talking about why the well is so stupid to their movie. Right. They're like, wait a second, we have yeah. like an octopus and a treasure ship and all this stuff, and you guys are talking about the well? Which I think is what makes these things interesting, the, 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 the sort of uh, extra examination. I just think about those guys then being like, wow, I never thought in a million years that would be a sticking mm-hmm. point. Do you think uh, when that cheerleader kissed uh, Sean Astin, that was weird? Hey, you kissed, now tell. There's something weird. What? What is it? Does Bram wear braces? I think it was awesome for the actor, Sean Astin. Could you imagine? That's another thing I thought. I found myself thinking a lot as like, imagine being 12 years old in like 1984 and shooting this damn movie and then getting to kiss Carrie Green. I was just like, Mm -hmm. man... Like, life probably doesn't get better when you're a little kid. Like, what was I doing when I was 12? Like, I was watching this movie and eating right. fucking pizza like a loser. It was it was really convenient that he didn't shout out at her to reveal yeah. that he was, in fact, his character. But she was the aggressor. It was he didn't know he didn't know that was going to happen. This isn't like a Revenge of the Nerds situation. No, no, where I don't it's even like a think rape. it's weird in that. I just think it's just. What, what's weird. weird about it then? Just the how it happens, and then no, it's never treated like it's actually like maybe next time open your eyes. <laughs> oh, you hey, what happened to your braces? Like, is she like I will mentally say it was handicapped? A vi- like, <laughs> <laughs> I will say it was a very mature approach. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I kissed the brother by accident. This is something we're all gonna laugh about. Who cares? Yeah. I'm actually dating the I older guess brother. Or how did she not still to the point even when she kissed Josh Brolin later still understand that she had kissed? She did understand when she kissed him later. That was the reveal. She said, "Where's your braces?" Exactly, and then she knew because he goes. But I mean, even Mikey? then, where's your bra- yeah there, that? Although I did find when the mom said, "What does the mom say?" It was oh, it's really good. that's funny. a great line. Uh, she goes, "I'll let, let her parents I'll worry let her about parents it." Worry yeah, about it. When that was that's the funny. mom's best line. That was a very funny line. Yeah. But uh, I don't even say it's bad. I'm just curious because I didn't know how I felt about the. But kiss the, thing. there was a weird line that did make me feel weird regarding the kiss when she confronts Mikey. She says. Um, 
you keep kissing like that. You keep kissing like that, the parts that uh, don't work so well will catch up with you. Yeah. It's like, is she talking about his dick? And why is she assuming his dick doesn't work? Like, my dick worked fine at that age. <laughs> like, I could yeah, pop boners too. and jerk it and all that stuff at that age. Yeah. So I was like, she doesn't know anything. I, I th- I, I took it as her just talking about the technique of his kissing or once he loses his braces or no, something. No, she was saying his technique was perfect. And she was saying the things that don't work so well will we'll catch up to the, the things that do work. Wow, well. maybe it was a... Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, play that line now. Yeah, and then well. have the people judge. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. But there I'm were, thinking I'd be so offended if there, I was Mike. I'm like, there's something about this kiss. I don't even know about the kissing scene. There's something about this being in the movie that just feels so weird. Like well, Psychologically, so weird. it's like, <laughs> if you're Mikey... Like, this is your first kiss. You're clearly going to have a crush. But now she's going to date your brother for the foreseeable future. Right. Is it just awkward? Yeah. Super awkward. So, I, But before we get to the... I, just, I wanted to talk about Mikey because we had talked about him before. Yeah. About how, I, I don't know, I found him... I found him very insufferable, especially, especially when he started to get really into the willy stuff where he was like... Like really into like, he was too he, he was, was too into Willie he, he was, was gay for Willie <laughs> so into yeah. Willie it was so weird he's like got you now one eyed Willie and he's like going over how does he like, know Willie's going to even like him yeah. he could just be a pirate who's very mean like typical pirates are yeah <laughs> <laughs> not that I know pirate <laughs> but I mean pirates. but I mean every way a pirate is portrayed is they're they're very mean how and do you think they got their treasure. Exactly. Like, if if it was a witch, would he be like, oh, one-eyed witch, I know you love me. It's like, no, the witch hates you. His entire character, at least by the end, started to become based entirely around wanting to meet Willie and get Willie's... (laughs) It's a film of obsession. It is like Moby Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what's what's the Tom Hanks movie where... uh, (laughs) Call me Mikey. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Tom Hanks movie... uh, the uh, da, da Vinci Code, Da Vinci Code, yeah, uh, the Dan Brown one, Robert Langdon. Is that an obsession one? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen it. <laughs> 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 it's, what I meant to say is, it's not like that one with Tom oh, Hanks. Okay. Yeah. The da Vinci Code. Wow, that, what a cinephile! <laughs> but the Da Vinci Code is very much a treasure. It is. Right. It chase. is a treasure. Hunt it's movie. a map and a quest. Right. I yeah. get it. Moby Dick's a better reference. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Willie. I just said the Willie thing with Mikey borders on creepy. That's what mm. I said. It just, it just starts to get really weird. And even like, and, and I get, and again, I wonder if it's just because we need to backtrack. The, the, we have to know that he's going to leave the money for Willie. So, how do we backtrack that he's the only one who would ever, because he loves Willie so much? And it just was weird. It was weird. And it felt like they didn't know what to do with, with him so much. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like Mikey. I, mean, I, I think I, they knew what to do with him, but I do think they did too much Willy stuff for yeah. him. Also didn't like when he yells, Goonies never die. Never say die. Maybe Chunk already got to the police. Maybe Chunk is dead. Don't say that. Never say that. Goonies never say die. I know that's a very famous line, but it's like this feels like a line written for him. Like, had, did, did they ever say Goonies never say die before that line? No, they didn't. So do they never say die? I well, feel like Chunk would be the first to say die and get out of there in yeah. any situation. <laughs> die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Out of here. I mean, ultimately, the movie's about, like Shane says, about friendship. It's about perseverance. It's about sort of like uh, pressing forward in the face of insurmountable odds. And those things are really inspirational if, if you're a kid. So to sort of like cherry on top that would Goonies never say die, it's just a rally call that sort of you've been along this far. You like these people. It just feels good. Well, and he's the brave one. Every Goonie has yes. a unique character trait that when they're all together, they help solve the mystery. Yes. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I just, I just, I, 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 it's more, again, you say that, 
and I that makes sense to me. But then when I actually see it play out with Sean Astin playing that part, it just it didn't it doesn't feel like what I'm seeing lines up with what I think the movie was trying to do. What I think is I think that, that intellectually you're right, and as an adult you're right. Yeah. But I'm just telling you what it made makes a kid. Of feel. course, and that's sort of and what those the are whole two point of why things. you were saying this. So like like yeah. this, the, the, that I have to imagine that there's that there's people listening who have loved this movie since they were 12 who just like hate me right now who are like you're just not seeing it. Like what's yeah, the matter with this they idiot? They came in feeling that way. They they listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, um. So so yeah. Like I mean, what else? What else? Was there anything else on the bad list? Well, the sloth thing we had said. Oh, before. we haven't even touched sloth. Yeah. That's interesting. Unlike Chung. Uh, I. <laughs> Love sloth. I'm a huge sloth. Yeah, fan. I'll, I'll start. I was gonna. Yeah, I, I don't. I thought sloth was going to be a lot more problematic. I didn't know if if the joke. I remembered, hey, you guys. I remembered he was a part of this film. I didn't know exactly how they would handle him. I was like, obviously, like they they find him scary because he's large and his face is uh, deformed. But uh, yeah, I, I thought again, like you know, him and him and Chunk's sort of journey together was heartwarming. It, it like it worked in ways where it didn't feel like. He was he was the butt of the joke. Like it wasn't like oh he's deformed, ha ha ha. It was more like oh he's scary, but we overcome his appearance because you realize that he's actually got a good heart. And well, I he think was right. a goonie. Yeah, he yeah. was a goonie. Ultimately, they're all like, outsiders, right? So like I, you say, in this detached way where I have no like, uh, what's the word? Like conne- connection, yeah. no feelings. So, yeah, no connection <laughs> to the sloth character. When I'm watching this movie, it just feels like he comes in of nowhere. He doesn't belong in this movie. There's this bad guys who have this deformed guy chained up. And now, like you said, he's not in the movie. He's not in the movie enough for him to be like consequential to the story. But he's the one who comes and saves them at the end. And the makeup is really weird. And I'm like, what is this thing doing in this movie? Like this movie that is about these kids going on an adventure to find treasure to save their town. And there's like a mutant. It's just, it felt so so weirdly out of nowhere it just doesn't to me and to me, like i don't i don't see how this thing is in this movie but i can totally see how if you had loved this movie when you're 12 you're like of course sloth is in the movie he's sloth he belongs in the movie that's why he's in the movie because he's sloth which is the sort of way that when you have movies that you're super connected to when you're a kid you can't kind of pull those things out of it because he is intrinsically connected to this movie he has the superman like just that look of him in the superman shirt and the suspenders and like you can just see you could have seen the concept drawing that someone did and showed it to richard johnny he's like exactly like that with the eye down here perfect i think lots of movies like introduce characters at the halfway mark that like he is that their don't brother fit in he's the movie whatsoever he's in he's their he's their son and brother the like, mutant super powered Brother, it just he was just very strong, and he he was played by a guy in real life who was very strong. He was like that guy was a football player. Like yeah. like what I'm saying is like story wise, like I don't feel like it's like um, ex du machina or whatever you call right. that shit. Like it's like it's like he's like. He's their brother, who they're ashamed of, so they keep him sort of like hidden. Yeah. So of course he would be at the base because they're about to like make a break for it or whatever. And then he sort of gets discovered. They play him. F- he's scary at first, so there's this. It's a sense of tension. I, I, like I, I, it's not like he 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 just sort of like wandered upon them and then helped mm-hmm. them. It's like I feel like I know the backstory right. of why he's there. But I, I know what you mean as well. I don't even say I dis. I like again. My point wasn't like I think he like well, he's a what a horrible addition to this movie. It's just I don't get it. But when I see other people who get it and wear sloth shirts and stuff, I'm like, you're some like the, the, I'll never convince you that you didn't like this. Well, movie. I thought they put extra care into the design of him too, and like how his you eye think it held up the makeup of, oh, his, of his face. There's a scene when he's coming out of the water, which something's clearly gone wrong with yeah. the mask. It's not supposed to touch water. I don't think. I think I've read stuff about that. But everything else, yeah, they they, 
they put special care into moving the ear and the eye, and they made sure those parts were perfect with the eye movement. And I thought that you never think about how the eye isn't moving correctly. All right. Yeah. Again, I'm not I'm not huge against sloth as much as I'm like confused by it. In, <laughs> in, a, in a macro sense too, I kind of like the idea that like somebody who's that striking looking, like in a way that would be scary or would be mocked or whatever, they make that character so lovable that you mm. just inherently become somebody that's a lot more tolerant of I like that. people that look different. Like it's like, you know, how many movies do we see where somebody that looks like that is a villain or like it's meant to be scary? This Old would be monster the monster movies. in the movie and it turns out he's Chunk's buddy. Yeah, so then right. just even in your own life, if you grow up, if you're like, you know, if you're 12 or you're 9 when you see this movie, like maybe there's just something deep inside your soul that's a little bit more tolerant because you have positive feelings associated with somebody who is unfortunate. That makes yeah. more sense why that character, like that feels like I can hear Spielberg's, like if you asked him about Sloth, he'd be like, Sloth is a, is a way to show kids that like. This is the value you of could see, You could hear him inclusion. say those words in his like well, soft. him and Chunk were so similar too. Like they used. Spielberg ch and Chunk. No. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe. But Spielberg at the premiere of Color Purple did the barf thing. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Just want to make one point here. But they they moved. <laughs> they used Chunk for his superhuman strength, and he loved food, and he was very uh, you know childlike and silly. And Chunk was, or sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, Sloth you, was exactly yeah. like that. Yep. Yep. No, so that makes sense. And then they, they, like they were more similar than they were different. And they found that even though that like you're a big mo like and we're kind of outcasty kind of people, and all right. You know what's crazy? Like in this day and age of like sort of content, uh, uh, a need that somebody hasn't made like uh, some YouTube sh like show or movie about Chunk and Sloth now in 2020. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, are they, do they hang out? They probably still don't live together, but you know. You could you could make. I bet you you're going to see a Super Bowl commercial where they throw that uh, lawyer guy a little bit of money, reprise yeah. the role. Yeah. Like, could Sloth work a job? I can't see him as anything other so. than a janitor. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he could. I, but I don't then know. I'm thinking well, of Toxic yeah. Avengers, and that's probably like coming into play. <laughs> yeah, he that's can do back, like factory work and things that were okay. It seems like he has enough with it to, if you gave him a task, he could. Listen, man, did yeah. you see those jewels? None of them are going to have to work ever again. It's true. <laughs> those rubies were top notch. I know. You're talking about the statue? Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's where mine <laughs> oh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> A little dinky. Uh, and the only other thing was the Michael Jackson line I thought was like, it really jumped out at me. Like, you said Michael Jackson came over to your house, remember? And I was like, hmm, it's kind of a funny thing to say in 1985. Well, in 85, it was probably the coolest yeah. thing that ever happened. It would have been like the most exciting thing ever. And now of you course. see it now in 2020, you're like, Michael Jackson came to my house. Who's I bragging don't about doubt, this? I don't doubt he did go to your house, yeah. young man. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, Shane, did you have anything else before we nope. move on? Johnny? Nope. I don't either. I guess we move on to uh, the difficult uh, choice here because, guys... This, uh, I feel like this verdict means a lot because this movie means a lot to people. It means a lot to, to us in some ways. Uh, maybe not so much uh, John, which is a fresh perspective. But yeah, uh, you're yeah. the only surprising verdict here, so let's give props. Really? Okay, I didn't know what you were... I, I never know with you because you sometimes will come oh, in I hot... Oh, I trick people. Pardon? Yeah, sometimes I put in an effort not to, unlike you, let people know the verdict <laughs> oh, yeah, before like, it happened. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I'll openly not put in the right. effort. Sometimes um, I will. I... You guys did a pretty good job of convincing. Like I, I want, like I was coming in strong because I wanted to. Even the sloth thing was good, and, and it's one of those. It's a movie that, like you said, like when I talk about it, and when I talk about this movie, when I talk about the values of this movie and the and the concepts and the things, I'm like, yeah, you know what? This does actually sound like a pretty good movie. But like actually, like what? Like there was, the watching it was very eclectic and and strange and chaotic and cluttered. 
it was just it, it felt like it was weird but in like a studio way if that makes sense where it didn't like it doesn't feel like it was it was somehow too weird and not weird enough for for me um i don't need to belabor the point i'm i not on the pedestal for me it was just too it was too nah, weird and chaotic chaotic it was so much chaos going on uh, I always feel weird when an adult likes a kid's movie a lot. When it's like, oh, I, ju I just saw Shrek. I loved it. It's like, oh, did you go with your daughter? No. I just love, I just love these Pixar movies, man. I'm like, weird. Like, I think of them as weird people. So I don't think any normal adult would just be like, yeah, thrown in Goonies. You know what? Love it. New favorite movie, Goonies. It's like, you're 45. And, okay. But I think this. Hey. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Want to come over tonight and watch Goonies again. I'll get the pizzas. Uh, but for a kid, I think this is definitely on the pedestal. And for what it is, I think this movie is on the pedestal. I cannot wait to show my daughter this movie. I know there's inappropriate parts, but I also know kids know more than they let on to their parents. They That's swear true. more than they let on. They know more about sex. They know drugs exist. They know all these things so much more than their parents think they know. A 10-year-old is so much older than the parents think they know, but also uh, still has a foot on the side of adventure and being silly and being very gullible. So yeah, I put it on the pedestal, but I'm also enjoying this nowadays only because I enjoyed it so much as a kid. So yep. I'm watching this through the prism of my young self and remembering the things that I enjoyed when I was young because it's very hard to be transported back to that time period. Yeah, so as hard. an adult, it is like a time machine. Like there's some yeah. movies that I know, I know. Like if I watched, like I know it's a random poll, but like Little Giants, and I oh, know, yeah. I don't know if that's a good movie, but I know that yeah. if I watch it, I'll enjoy it because I watched that movie so much as a little kid that like just the lines themselves, like mm -hmm. I get to, I get to be in my in my parents' basement, like eating chips, and like I'm there. I'm yeah. like I'm right there, and there's such a great feeling. And there's value, I guess, to, to, to that as well. Well, it's like when you watch Home Alone now, you're you're watching it almost from the burglar's perspective. You're like, ouch, that would hurt. Oh, my back. That's a good point. Oh, I'd slip. Well, now I want to oh, do Home how Alone. How much is the mortgage for this house? <laughs> Gee, he's he's has to buy all the pizzas? Uncle Frank is a fucking villain, and I don't care what you say. Like, you know <laughs> he what is I mean? a villain. Whereas when you're a kid, you're just like, Kevin is the coolest. Oh, I wish I was Home Alone. Everything just changes. <laughs> yeah, now. they ate his cheese pizza. How dare they? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, Mike, I'm actually very curious yeah, on what too. you think. Yeah, it was an interesting experience watching the film. Um, I, I did think the plot moved quicker than I thought it was going to. You kind of mm -hmm. jump into the adventure and you're just you're kind of going. And so I did appreciate it for that. But at times I, I did feel I found myself thinking like, ah, I, I kind of want more chemistry with the kids or jokes, like actual jokes, you know. But that might be also my 2020 brain and the way that things are built now. Movies are different. Um, I did enjoy rewatching it. I did enjoy it as a kid. Uh, this was actually a really hard verdict for me for, for those reasons. And I thought a lot about like um, watching it as an adult, what it means now. Meaning, like, let's say like I just started dating somebody, and she was like, uh, "I've never seen Goonies." You know, like my my wife had never seen Good Will Hunting. I was so excited to show her Good Will Hunting. Right? Did she like oh, it? Yeah. She loved it. She yeah. loved it. She was like, "I can't How believe." Did she like them apples? She loved them apples. Great. She's like, "I can't <laughs> believe I slept on that." So like, there's certain films just like you've never seen such and such. You've never seen Jurassic Park. Whatever it is. Um, after seeing this movie, if I were in that scenario, this would never make that list of like, you have, you haven't seen this from, it's from a child. So I, I, that this would never make that list. So that kind of like kills the adult aspect of like, is this a good movie? And mm -hmm. it's like, there are elements that are good and there's stuff that I really enjoy, but I don't know if it's a good movie for a lot of the reasons that, that, that John said. Um, but I do think it's a good movie for a lot of reasons that Shane said. 
Now to the next question. Shane said he can't wait to show his daughter. I would never like keep this movie away from my kid, but I there's there's not really like a this is one of the definitive 10 films you must see while you're a kid. I'm like, if it comes on TV and it's like, oh, this is a fun part, they end up at the boat or whatever, but I, I wouldn't be like, you have to see this film. Um, but I do know what Shane's saying about the element of, uh, of adventure and inclusion and all the things that we loved about Goonies as a kid. I did feel those things. Watching it as an adult, uh, those things weren't nearly as strong. I suspect it was more my nostalgia that was making me feel those things mm-hmm. than the actual mechanics of the film. Yep. For that reason... With a heavy heart, I knock it off the pedestal. That makes sense. Uh, Is it weird that I don't really like the how about them apples line? (laughs) Like, I never understood the impact. (laughs) Like, you heard me say it, and you're like... Yeah, yeah, what is it about that line that makes it so good? To me, that's one of the most overhyped bullshit lines in movie history. What's so cool about it? How do you like them apples? Well, well, it's the setup, right? Yeah. It's like he knocks on the window, and the the, the, the smug guy's in there, and you can't really hear him through the window. He's like, do you like apples? Right? He's like, Mm -hmm. like, what? It's like... Do you like apples? Guy looks again. He goes, "I got her number." Bang! Hits it on the glass. He goes, "How you like them apples?" Okay, but okay. So, so if I was, does that work for anything? If I was like, "Hey, you like t-shirts?" Right. No, no. How do you like these t-shirts? Well, how do you like them apples? Is an old saying. It's I've a, never heard that before. Oh well, if you then that's it. <laughs> okay. It's a it's a well known. It's a how do you how do you like them apples? Is sort of like. Well, I guess we're closing the book <laughs> on that one. Good book close. 